<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. I'm David Brody here on the Swanky Couch set. At least we'll start off the show that way. Thanks for being here. It's Monday, February 8th, 2021. And look, if you go to Webster's Dictionary and look up the word bogus, you're going to find the following words. President Trump's second impeachment trial. Because, folks, this thing's a joke. Put that down as analysis, by the way. The Democrats were calling it the BIT, the bogus impeachment trial. That is what begins tomorrow. Get ready to hear a lot about these two lawyers, David Schoen and Bruce Castor Jr. They are going to be representing the president this week in the Senate at the trial. We are going to discuss all of the political theater ahead. Also today, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, Psaki Sot, held her daily briefing today and clues us in as to what President Biden thinks of the trial. We will hear from her. Also today, Joe Biden and his Catholic faith. He's off the reservation on the abortion issue. We are going to take a closer look later in the hour. But first to our top story, President Trump's Senate impeachment trial. Now, look, it gets underway tomorrow. We're really not sure how long it's going to last. But honestly, even if it's a few minutes, that seems like too long. First of all, on January 6th, President Trump literally said he wanted people to march to the Capitol. And I'm going to put this in quotes because this was the quote, peacefully and patriotically. And now we find out that this thing was also planned all along before Trump even spoke. Come on, folks. Does the liberal media really think we're all stupid? Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, they do think we're all stupid. And newsflash, no, we're not. Today, Trump's lawyers released a more detailed brief on impeachment. Here's what it said, quote, On January 6, 2021, Mr. Trump addressed a crowd of people who had gathered on the ellipse, public land that is part of the president's park next to the White House, Mr. Trump spoke for approximately one hour and 15 minutes. And of the over 10,000 words spoken, Mr. Trump used the word fight a little more than a handful of times, and each time in the figurative sense. You know, Democrats talk about unity up the yin-yang. We hear it all the time. And then they decide to hold a trial to remove a president from office. I mean, come on. The president has already left. Unity is weeping here. Here's what White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki t said today on the impeachment trial. Doesn't he think that someone, if he believes his behavior is too erratic to get access to intelligence, then doesn't he believe that he should be barred from holding office again? Well, he ran against him uh, because he felt he was unfit for office and he defeated him. And that's why he's no longer President Trump is no longer president of the United States. So I think his views of the former president are pretty clear, uh, but he's going to leave it to the Senate to see this impeachment proceedings forward. Through. All right, let's discuss the upcoming impeachment trial. We've got Ben Burkwan here. He is a field correspondent with Real America's uh, News. Hey, ben, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks, David. Uh, and, and your words couldn't be more uh, accurate to what we're dealing with here. I'm actually out in front of the uh, the demilitarized zone. Behind me, I call it the People's Republic of the District of Columbia. We have walls and 
barbed wire, razor wire, encircling this building while we're tearing down the walls along our southern border and allowing the invasion to continue down there. We have walls to protect AOC and the left inside of this building behind us. And this is, I'm hearing the same thing, actually even from DC residents that uh, they should be focusing on reopening the economy, protecting American citizens, doing these things instead of wasting more tax dollars on what many call an unconstitutional Senate impeachment trial. Ben, uh, talk to us a little bit about where you are. For people that don't know, know D.C., you're on the side of the Capitol next to the U.S. Supreme Court building, correct? That's correct. To my left right here is the Supreme Court building. Uh, you can see that over here. And then right behind me is Congress. We have we still have National Guard troops from all over the country that are here deployed to apparently protect from some sort of threat. I, I that, That's the question I have. We've walked all around the perimeter here and I haven't seen uh, any in the way of support of President Trump or uh, in opposition. There are a couple people with a couple signs, but otherwise it is very, very quiet here other than the same boarded up buildings and, you know, threat from Antifa. If they're going to do anything, they should board up the whole city and kick out BLM and Antifa because that's really the real threat to D.C. Well, Ben, talk to me a little bit about what is potentially expected tomorrow. I mean, look, you're in D.C. You're there live for us today. You'll be live on Real America's Voice across the country tomorrow. What, what is expected? I'm assuming with the impeachment trial getting underway, there's going to be going to be Trump and anti-Trump supporters out there. But but you were there on January 6th, so I'm assuming they're not expecting anything like that. Correct. Yeah, I haven't heard anything in the way of large counter-protest or you know in support or opposition. Uh, I've been looking around trying to find out if there's anything large planned. I do know some local Trump supporters that will be out tomorrow. I've heard that, that they will be out here in support and saying basically having signs that say impeach Biden, not Trump. Um, you know, but otherwise, I haven't heard of anything really large. The, the, as far as the schedule goes, we anticipate it, like you said, getting underway tomorrow. Uh, we've heard a couple points. The, uh, you know, originally they were talking about the constitutionality of it, uh, uh, impeaching a former president. Uh, never been done before, uh, but now it sounds like they're going to focus a lot of attention on the, you know, the violence that's been called for for the last four years by the left, by people like Maxine Waters and others, and the violence that's happened across the country. We've seen police uh, units and uh, police officers attacked all across the country by BLM and Antifa. We've heard, uh, you know, congressmen and, and senators come out in support of the the uprising we saw this summer, and yet somehow. Uh, the, you know, it's the double standard that we just continue to hear about. So I anticipate uh, President Trump's lawyers will be showing, for, uh, uh, highlighting some of that, and then also just talking about the unconstitutionality. We anticipate that there will be a vote on Friday is what we're hearing. And we'll be here from the start to the finish to, to bring you the, the most up-to-date information as it comes. Well, Ben, I think you're 100% right on the hypocrisy and the double standard. I, I mean, you, you mentioned Maxine Waters, and I mean, there's a whole long list. I mean, you've got uh, Alyssa Presley, you've got a lot of the squad members, but especially Alyssa Presley talking about unrest in the streets and, you know, we're not going to stop until, you know, an arrest has to continue. And I can go down the list. I mean, yep. uh, it's just amazing to see the, the double standard that's out there. And here's the problem for Democrats. Uh, first of all, they don't have 67 votes. They don't have anywhere near 67 votes to convict them, number one. But number two, I mean, if you go even beyond that, I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that you've, you've got uh, Democrats uh, who are, you got to wonder why in the world would they even want a trial? Because you know Trump's lawyers are going to bring up all sorts of, uh, of the baggage of Democrats. Why would they 
want to put themselves out there in that position. It just makes, to me, it makes no sense. It's just orange man bad, and that's the bottom line here. Well, and I think ultimately that's what it comes down to is you have a handful of the resist-type Democrats, the far-left AOC, Ilhan Omar, Rashid Tlaib, and, and others that are saying we have to do this because we have told our constituents, our base, that this is what we were going to do from the beginning. Uh, so they have to, it's, it's almost, you know, it's, it's over-commitment bias that you have from the Democrats where I think some sane-minded Democrats would say, what are we doing here, guys? Uh, and, and, you know, we'll see what political implications that has moving forward into 2022. Uh, there is a lot of concern about that, that this is actually going to embolden Trump supporters and conservatives across the country. And it's actually going to hurt the Democrats because what they should be doing is doing things to, to rebuild the economy. As uh, Joe Biden says, build back better. Well, this isn't really doing that when you're destroying jobs and spending tax dollars on an unconstitutional impeachment hearing. Hey, Ben, you were there on January 6th. You're now back uh, about a month later or so. What's your sense of the security there, not just with the National Guard? You mentioned that earlier, but what about the fencing around the Capitol? Is, the, is it the same? Is it more? I mean, what, what's your, what, what does it look like a month later on, on the security standpoint? Well, I was there, like you said, January 6th, and there was no fencing uh, other than, you know, cheap little plastic fencing. This is you know, militarized. This is, I don't know if we can pan the camera over here, David, if you can see the, the barbed wire, the razor wire on these, uh, on these fences, and it extends all the way around the Capitol. If you walk around, it's, it's blocks and blocks and blocks like this all the way around the Capitol, the Supreme Court, uh, and other buildings, federal buildings inside of here. It, it, it mm -hmm. feels like a war zone. I mean, it feels like uh, it's definitely somewhere you don't want to bring your kids. And that was the, the worst part coming back here. You know, you should feel great about our, our country's capital. When you fly into Washington, D.C. right now, there's just a, a, a sense of darkness. Joe Biden talked about that, about the uh, winter, a, a dark winter. And it really, it has that feel here where we're, yeah. we're so divided. Uh, you know, they talk about unity. There is none of that here. Yeah, and Ben, I... I I don't want to say that I misspoke, but I mentioned January 6th, but were you also there on January 20th? Because I was really kind of comparing inauguration, what it was like on inauguration to to now, because that's when they had the fencing up. No, no. Right. No, I wasn't. I wasn't here uh, okay. during that. But I, okay. it, from what I understand, it was the same. It was the same fencing, but it actually extended even further. So from uh, with the reports I got was they actually have consolidated this, which is crazy to think because we're several blocks of security you know, where, where right. this is, again, the people's house behind me, and you can't get anywhere near it. All right, Ben Burkwan, really appreciate you just being out in the thick of it. You've, you did it on January 6th. You're back again, and uh, thanks for giving us uh, an update from the uh, fortified U.S. Capitol. Thanks. Thank you, sir. All right, that's Ben Burkwan. Uh, hey, look, the, look, the bottom line here, uh, there's a couple of things to consider for Democrats. Lindsey Graham, Senator Lindsey Graham on the Republican side, has told Democrats, look, if you decide to call witnesses and you decide to go down this road and lay it all out there in the next three or four days, specifically with witnesses, then get ready for Republicans to go ahead and call their own witnesses, as in FBI, what did uh, leadership know specifically? I'm talking about House leadership in terms of the security threat before uh, it actually happened, because we, we now understand from a reporting by John Solomon at JustTheNews.com that indeed there were some pre-planned activity before everything that happened on January 6th. So that will all come out at the trial if Democrats decide to call witnesses. Look, if you're a Democrat, I mean, just 
you know, just a little aside to you right now. What in the world are you thinking? Let this go. You got to buy an agenda you want to pass through and you want to do this too. Just shooting yourself in the foot. All right. We got a lot more show uh, coming up. Uh, we'll talk about impeachment. We've got Congressman Estes from uh, Kansas coming up. Lots more on the water cooler back in a moment. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Everybody, in this segment, we're going to talk about impeachment and the future of the Republican Party and Donald Trump. Hey, if Trump is watching, I don't know if he's watching, but if he's watching, he may want to stick around because we're going to talk about, wait for it, him in this segment. And he's going to love that. You know that. But first, <coughs> here we go. The poll of the day. The water cooler poll of the day. Yes, you're looking live. Oh, I feel like the NFL. All right. If the federal minimum wage is double to $15 an hour, will that lead to fewer jobs being created? Well, 51% say, yeah. Well, I don't think they're saying it like a valley girl, like, yeah. They're saying yes. 29% say no. And once again, that 20% say not sure. Who are these people that are always saying not sure? Are these the same... We need to talk to Scott Rasmussen. Are these the same people always saying not sure? Anyhow, 20% say, you know, I really don't know. You have to explain it to me. I'll go on Wikipedia and figure it out. Anyhow, that is the poll of the day. Now, the news story of the day is impeachment. It'll be that way all week. As a matter of fact, that Senate impeachment trial getting underway uh, Tuesday. Uh, uh, we talked about it at the top of the show. The whole thing's a farce. I mean, Put that down as analysis. It's a farce. Anyhow, uh, I asked Alan Dershowitz the other day, of course, the famed Harvard law professor and the constitutional professor as well. He was on, remember last Friday, if you haven't, he was on uh, dissecting and analyzing his favorite deli meats from Cat Delicatessen. So he's wearing this Cat's Delicatessen T-shirt. Try to avoid looking at that T-shirt as you listen to his constitutional analysis on impeachment. So, Alan, let me get your take on impeachment coming next week. Uh, where, where are you specific, specifically on that from a constitutional standpoint? Not just that, uh, but how you think this is going to happen next week? The Senate has no jurisdiction to try a former office holder. They can't try you, me, or Mr. Donald Trump. Uh, they lose jurisdiction the minute the person is out of office because the function of impeachment is removal. And disqualification is only ancillary to removal. That's number one. Number two, you can't impeach anybody for a constitutionally protected speech. The Constitution says Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. That means no act, no impeachment, nothing. So I think it's a political theater. I think the stunt yesterday by my former student, Jamie Raskin, asking the president to speak was just political theater. The reason I'm not involved in it is I'm neither an actor nor a politician. And end result will be they will not get the two-thirds vote, and the vast majority of Republicans who will vote against removal will vote against him on jurisdictional They don't necessarily, but they think the Senate has no jurisdiction over a former president. 
he's 100% right. And look, let's start with this. There's not going to be 67 votes in the United States Senate to convict Donald Trump. All right, so the whole thing is just ridiculous to begin with, and everybody knows it. All right, so let's just move to the end of the week and get the vote over with and move on. But here's the thing. This sets a very dangerous precedent, right? Because Donald Trump is no longer, let me think. Oh, that's right. He's no longer president of the United States. He's somewhere in Mar-a-Lago in a gold-plated, I don't know, nice little house uh, down there playing golf, and they want to impeach him for what? Oh, so we can't run for office again? Well, here's the deal. This is a very dangerous road. Why? Oh, I don't know. Let's say Democrats decide, hey, you know what? Let's impeach Jim Jordan. Or let's impeach Kevin McCarthy. Or let's impeach, uh, I don't know, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, after they're out of office. Why? Because we don't ever want them running for any sort of office again. And you know what? Democrats, excuse me, Republicans could do the same thing. What if Republicans grab the House of Representatives and say, you know what? Let's impeach Ilhan Omar after she leaves office. Let's impeach, oh, I don't know, Rashida Tlaib. Let's impeach the whole squad. Who knows what they're going to do? This is a horrible horrible idea. Don't get me started. Have we started the last step already? We're only in the second block of the show and I'm already riled up. All right. Uh, speaking of Marjorie Taylor Greene, by the way, uh, she obviously spoke the other day, last week, late last week, about uh, the fact that she's no longer going to be on any committee. She says it frees her up and she believes that Donald Trump is the future of this party. She's right, by the way. I should do it as an aside. She's right, by the way. Here's Marjorie Taylor Greene. So going forward, I've been freed. I do, I feel freed because you know what's happening on these committees? You see, we have a basically a tyrannically controlled government right now, the Democrats. We've got Joe Biden writing executive order after executive order, sign him, sign him, sign him, doing whatever he wants up there in the White House. We have Nancy Pelosi leading the Democrats in Congress to do whatever they bail bond links to get the criminals out of jail. <laughs> but they want to kick me off committees for social media posts that were conspiracy theories. That's pretty hypocritical. Oh, hypocritical in the Democrats? <laughs> yeah, okay, goes together. Uh, look, she went on in those comments to talk about how Donald Trump indeed is the future of this party. It is his party actually right now. Uh, and she's absolutely right. As a matter of fact, we know that Kevin McCarthy went down to see uh, Donald Trump at the gold-plated Mar-a-Lago, uh, what, about a week or so ago? And they both agreed that he's going to help uh, in the 2022 House races to get the House back in Republican control. Why? Because McCarthy knows he needs Trump. McCarthy knows that Trump is a winner when it comes to getting some folks over the finish line. And if you don't believe me, just look it up. Just go to Wikipedia. I know it's Wikipedia. I get it. We don't sanction or endorse Wikipedia here. But just go look it up on Wikipedia and you can actually see all the times that Trump endorses a candidate. What happens 90 point whatever percent of the time that candidate wins. Donald Trump is a force inside the Republican Party, there is no question about it. So then the question becomes, what to, what to do here with Marjorie Taylor Greene? Look, uh, I don't want to get into QAnon and all that, but let me just say, I know about Q-tips. I don't really know much about QAnon at all. I mean, I heard something about like deep state and pedophilia and they're out to like, you know, change the world. I don't know. Look, I'll be honest with you, just between me, it sounds a bit crazy. I'm just going to let you know. I know that might tick off some of you that are watching. I don't know. I don't really care. Uh, because here's why. It's not about QAnon. Okay, this is an attempt by the Democratic Party to go ahead and lump everybody in as QAnon. Everybody. Kevin McCarthy, he supports Marjorie Taylor Greene. He's QAnon. It doesn't matter. So 
That's the big issue here, okay? And also understand, on the January 6th riots, let me explain how this ties in. On the January 6th riots, when those knuckleheads, those ridiculous knuckleheads, Trump supporters, throw in some Antifa, the crazies of the world, when they went into January 6th, guess what? They looked at you, they looked at you, they looked at you, all the viewers, anybody that's watching this show, and they said, you went into the Capitol as well that you supported that and you supported all of the, the lunacy that happened on January 6th. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You know you didn't. Maybe some of you did, but most of you didn't. And that's the point. They want to lump all of these folks in together. And that is horrible because labels do not work in America. Back in a moment. I'm angry. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. the water cooler everybody uh the covid stimulus bill we've talked a lot about it you'll hear a lot more about it in the next month or so democrats are going to try to figure out a way to pass this bill we'll figure out whether or not it's on budget reconciliation rules it sounds like it's going that way for sure uh and i want to get uh more detail because ultimately the devil is in the details if you will and congressman ron uh, estes from kansas uh, back with us on the water cooler congressman great to see you there from your home district in wichita well, it's great seeing you again. Well, the subcommittees and committees are going to be looking at this COVID stimulus bill. Uh, you're going to be now you're on what trade, tax and social security subcommittees, I believe, if I've got that right. Uh, what are you going to be looking at? What do you want to see uh, in some sort of final bill or what don't you <laughs> what don't you want to see in some final bill? Yeah. It, it's really unfortunate that Democrats have taken this approach. You know, we, we passed uh, five different uh, uh, COVID relief bills last year, but they were all bipartisan efforts. And, and this route, the, the Democrats are going going alone uh, in, a, in a partisan manner. And basically what they've done is they've uh, credit, uh, created uh, uh, an approach and assigned different committees, uh, whether uh, different focuses and different topics. So on ways and means, a lot of the material that we're going to focus on are related to the tax issues and the tax code trying to use that in, in terms of deals and, and activities that they're pulling together. Uh, and tax is one of the subcommittees I'm on. Uh, and I'm on the trade committee as well and, and Social Security. But uh, a lot of what we're going to do, we're going to meet this week in our Ways and Means Committee and talk through the issues that have been laid out. And, and we're working on a lot of amendments. We need to see what the, what the full details are that are coming out uh, before we can actually talk about you know, what makes the most sense in terms of how we roll this out. Part of the problem is, you know, there's a trillion dollars out there that we've already appropriated that hasn't been spent yet, you know, including $170 billion that's uh, going to unemployment benefits and almost $240 billion that's out there for health care and, and uh, another $40 billion or so that's uh, still out there for state and local aid. So, it's kind of one of those things we're just throwing a lot of money out there, another $1.9 trillion without looking at uh, what makes the most sense in terms of where we really need it. And, you know, our, our number one priority is is looking at 
you know, how, how do we crush the virus and then get the economy going? And, and we want to make sure that, that uh, both of those things happen. Congressman, what are some of your main concerns at this point about the bill? I mean, what or put it this way, what do you like, what don't you like as it relates to, you know, money for schools, but uh, stimulus checks? There's a lot of stuff in here. Uh, what, what are some of, uh, where, where are you on some of these issues here? So part of it's seeing what the details are, and we haven't seen all the details. Uh, I do have a couple concerns in particular. Uh, one is, you know, giving an additional $400 a week uh, for unemployment on top of the state unemployment dollars uh, that people receive. Uh, what we saw earlier last year with the $600 payment uh, was that people weren't going back to work. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, employers were having a hard time trying to get uh, people coming back to work just because they, they, they were getting paid more in unemployment than they actually were making in a paycheck. So we want to make sure we don't create these unintended consequences or maybe in some people's mind it's intended consequences mm -hmm. uh, to, to make sure that people don't go back to work uh, because that's not going to help the economy in general. And then the second area that really concerns me is, uh, you know, state and local uh, bailouts is yeah. really what uh, part of what this is coming in. You know, in my home state of Kansas, uh, we, we've actually been at or, or above uh, previous year's tax revenues just because of the things that are going on. People still having uh, jobs that are working or, or getting paid because of things like the Paycheck Protection Program. Mm -hmm. And in fact, in the month of January, uh, we brought in uh, almost 10 percent more than we did January of 2020. So uh, it's not like uh, all of the states need a bailout. And if, if they weren't budgeting good beforehand, uh, what's to make them think that that's going to happen going forward? And right. So it's really concerned about the impact on the debt in terms of doing that. Congressman Estes, let me ask a little bit about uh, impeachment, uh, because uh, obviously the Senate's going to take that up this week, the trial. What, what are folks in Wichita, in your district, what, what, are, what are they saying there? What's, what's the general mood about the impeachment trial? Yeah, I think the real concern is, uh, what's the point? I mean, right now, uh, I mean, uh, we, we, if, if we go forward with this process, if the Senate goes forward, uh, you know, it's kind of, why would you want to uh, go through a questionable legality of mm -hmm. uh, can you impeach a former president? Uh, the only time that impeachment's talked about is is talked about uh, an elected official, uh, and in particularly for a president, talks about impeaching a president. And so, you know, it's kind of one of those things you uh, need to put it to to rest and and let's move on. Let's look forward and and uh, how do we work on the things that brings the country together? And mm -hmm. that's one of my concerns in general is. You know, President Biden during his inauguration address uh, talked a lot about unity, and he really highlighted that as a, a focal point in his inauguration address. Uh, but now, as we look at this, you know, when his first 10 days in office, he signed so many executive orders. It was more than double what President Obama and President Trump did in their first 10 days. Mm -hmm. And so it, it really takes away from the unity. Uh, the impeachment process is part of that as well, is uh, we need to look at things that uh, unite us as a country and, and how do we work together to move things forward. Uh, I'd be curious to get your take on uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Liz Cheney. It seems like we've got, you know, the future of the Republican Party. You know, whose party is this exactly? I don't mean is it Marjorie Taylor Greene's party or Liz Cheney, but Donald Trump. I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene said this is Donald Trump's party, this Republican Party. What's your take? Yeah, I think you're you're going to see a lot of members who have different districts and and, you know, that really uh, have districts that were very supportive of the president. Uh, you're going to see other members that are from uh, more purple districts mm -hmm. uh, that uh, maybe take a different stance in terms of saying, uh, you know, these are the top issues that they go work on. 
uh, one of the things, you know, obviously there were some things that uh, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene had said or, or were posted uh, either by her or on her behalf uh, over the years, particularly before she came to Congress. And, you know, she mentioned and has uh, said that uh, she regrets some of those things right. and, and wants to move forward. Uh, and, and again, I think this is one of those areas where we, we need to look at what's what's best for the country and how do we focus on getting things moving forward. Do you think we're going to see Donald Trump resurface at some point politically? <laughs> so, so I don't know. I haven't talked to the president since uh, uh, since President Biden was inaugurated. So, uh, you know, I think he's. Uh, you know, he spent four four hard years uh, in office in terms of uh, a lot of things uh, to deal with. Yeah. And I'm sure he's taking some time to, to kind of rethink his strategy moving forward. All right. Congressman Estes uh, from Kansas, really appreciate your time. I know there's a lot of uh, important work ahead in the subcommittee and committee level on this COVID-19 bill. Really appreciate your time. Great. Thank you. All right. Congressman Estes there, uh, straight shooter uh, for sure. All right. When we come back, uh, the Reverend Jim Wallace, progressive uh, social justice gospel. He's the founder of Sojourners. We're going to talk to him a little bit about racial injustice and abortion. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, Faith and Joe Biden, he wears his faith on his sleeve. There are a lot of conservative Christians that uh, are wondering exactly how that faith squares up on issues like abortion. Others say, wait a minute, when it comes to social justice issues, that faith fits perfectly. I want to talk to Reverend Jim Wallace about this. I've known Jim for a long time, the founder of Sojourners and the author of the book, Christ in Crisis, Reclaiming Jesus in a Time of Fear, Hate, and Violence. Jim, great to have you back on the show, sir. Good to see you, man. Always good to see you. Yeah, same here, Jim. Uh, so, so where is uh, Joe Biden uh, so far in your estimation of how he's doing so far? He's getting a lot of criticism about a lot of executive orders that he signed. But uh, well, what's your take so far on the Biden administration? Well, Joe Biden is, as you say, a man of faith. I've known him for a long time. He is clearly, uh, personally, a man of faith, uh, unlike some of our our last president, for example. Uh, I think it's very, I was talking to them this morning, they want the faith community involved in this COVID bill, in COVID vaccinations. Uh, they want deep involvement from the faith community, which is a very good thing. We don't always feel that from presidents, but this president wants us deeply involved because he's deeply Catholic in his own faith. His losses have brought his faith center of his life. So I, I trust him as a matter of faith, and he's reaching out already on COVID, on so many things like, uh, particularly poverty. He cares deeply about poverty, mm -hmm. and he's he's always going to talk about what Jesus said about poverty, which is, as you've done to the least of these, you've done to me, which is, you know, there was my conversion, passage that brought me to Christ, that right. wonderful text in Matthew 25, and I can talk about that now with... Well, uh, 
this new White House. Jim, I, I want to clear up something. Did you just say he, he as in the president called you or you were speaking about this this morning? I'm sorry, I missed that. Did you I say was speaking with the White House just this morning ah. about how they want the involvement of the faith community. Not with Joe Biden, okay. but with okay. White House leaders about how they want the involvement of the faith community in COVID relief, in vaccines, and in really helping us to... Uh, to uh, to deal with poverty, it's it's gotcha. not possible to accept poverty that we've had for a long time, and he agrees with that. Jim, I, I need to ask you. We've talked about racial inequality, racial justice, and and I I would like to get to that. I first need to quickly ask you about the abortion issue. Uh, I know that you obviously you're personally pro-life. You've been very clear on that, and you've called out Democrats at times on the issue uh, gently, or not, sometimes not so gently. Uh, but but I want to get your take on something Pastor Brian Gibson told us the other day. He's a pastor, he's an evangelical conservative pastor, who had some pretty strong words about what Joe Biden has done on abortion so far, and I. I'd like to get your take on it. Here, here's what he told us. Well, what I see as a travesty is a man that calls himself a Catholic that has now removed the Mexico City policy, uh, has opened up the doorways for your hard-earned tax dollars to be sent around the world to kill the unborn. It's the blood of the innocent on the American taxpayer's hand, brought to you courtesy of uh, President Biden and Kamala Harris. And I'll tell you, this is not a real Christianity. What, what these people are doing right now is they're taking their mind their leftist ideology, right? Their secular humanism, trying to wrap it up in a Christian bow and trying to change the message of Christianity. Jim, your, your reaction to that? I don't know who Brian is, but in my viewing right now, Brian is changing the message of Christianity. How you so? cannot reduce the teaching of Jesus to abortion. You cannot do that, Brian. And wait, let me just finish. All right, go ahead. No, yeah. I want <laughs> to reduce... I want, I've been very clear, we need to reduce abortion in this country across the political spectrum. I've made that very, very clear. But there are evangelical leaders, top evangelicals, top Pentecostals, who are agonizing right now, David, about whether their people, their flock, were in the Capitol in that storming assault. They're wondering painfully if their people were inside the capital but, for the assault. Yeah, but Jim, these are these are really difficult, different times, and evangelical Christians need to be discipled away from the kind of of white supremacy that this last administration was promoting every day. That's Jim, a gospel issue, Jim, Jim, not a political one. Jim, two two quick things. I've got, I've got to push back. We're, we're friends, uh, you know, off camera. But but I've got to tell you. I mean, uh, uh, the president had has condemned white supremacy. Uh, I don't want to say millions of times, but less than a million of times, but plenty of the, times. I mean, he, he just president. had. Which president? President Trump. President Trump ha has done that plenty of times. But be, real quick, back to abortion. You said that 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 he's he's making that the gospel. But the social justice folks also make the social justice issues, poverty and racial. It's all in the Bible. In other words, it, it's all under the umbrella of the Bible. But the social justice folks also make that their gospel as well. It goes both ways, Jim. I, yeah, I didn't hear your friend Brian saying anything mm -hmm. about the poor, about racial justice, about mm -hmm. immigrants, about refugees. I don't hear people like him talking about the gospel. All they talk about they is abortion. But he does. I he does. also say, I've said again and again, that the unborn are part of those 
whose voices aren't being heard. But I want to hear your friend Brian talk about the other. I want him also to say that Joe Biden was elected fairly and freely. And I want him to condemn those who stormed the Capitol with Jesus signs in their hands. He, he so has. I'm looking he for has. Some I, asked him about, I asked him about that. He, he has done that. He's condemned those folks. Uh, uh, and, and my concern is that, and we have about a minute left, my concern is that it's a broad brush. I feel like anybody that went into the Capitol on January 6th, if people thought this election, there was some shenanigans in this election, even if they didn't storm the Capitol, they're indicted as well, even though they never stormed the Capitol. But, but David, but the truth is there weren't shenanigans and, and clear, reasonable people, honest Republicans have said that. The president lied. Donald Trump lied about the election and most white evangelicals believed his lies. That's a problem for our faith. This isn't politics. This is about where we're listening to somebody who is lying yeah. and people did violence from those lies. Now, evangelical leaders are facing up to that. And your people have to, too. Lies are wrong. But, but Jim, Truth is important. Jim, Jim, I hear you, and we, we, we're going to have to run now, but just understand that, you know, they don't believe they were being sold any lies by Donald Trump. They're looking at affidavits by a woman in Michigan. They're looking at, I can go X, Y, and Z about the voter and rolls. And those are lies, David. You're a journalist. You're a journalist. It's an Jim, it's an affidavit signed by someone. You're saying oh, that David. person is lying? You're saying that person's lying? All right, well, anyhow, we got to run. We'll talk about it next time. I appreciate the it, truth, The truth, David, the truth is important here. I, I and the well, truth that is I many of us care about abortion, but this reduction I of the gospel, this is not the truth I, of I, Jesus. I, I got I to Let's run. talk more. All right. Sounds good. Jim Wallace, back in a moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Time for cha-ching. I do that because, what? listen, you hear that? That's why I do that. Uh, the last set. Uh, so the Super Bowl uh, was yesterday. Hey, Tom Brady won the Super Bowl. Wah, 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 who cares? Goat, right? I thought the goat, by the way, when they say the goat, I thought, like, that's a bad thing, right? You're the goat. No, no, no. Goat is the greatest of all time. I don't know. Call it my age. I'm getting up there, whatever. All right, so here was an article that piqued my interest uh, in the Washington Post about the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, take a look at this. The Washington Post now, uh, in essence, saying that the Buccaneers embody Tampa's love of pirates, is that a problem? I kid you not. If you read the whole article, the, the historian, I don't even know if I should put that in air quotes, but the historian of the article says that they really, they, Tampa Bay, needs to really rethink the Buccaneers name because, hey, pirates were bad and they were doing some bad stuff on the high seas. And why in the world should the Buccaneers be called the Buccaneers? <sighs> By the way, they were playing the Kansas City Chiefs, <laughs> so they may have some issues with their name. Just ask the Washington football team. Anyhow, don't get me into all of that. Uh, by the way, I was just doing a quick little search uh, on Google because I hear the Internet's kind of a cool thing, and I went to Google. Uh, if we're going to get rid of all these mascots, uh, how about this one? Uh, this is the – did you know the uh, bulldog at, the Miss at Mississippi State University is called Bully? 
Like, I'm thinking maybe they want to rename the mascot because bully isn't going to quite work, if you, know what I'm, if you know what I mean. Oh, how about this one? Did you know the owl mascot at Temple University? Ready for this? The name of the owl mascot at Temple University is, is ready? Hooter. Yeah. So I think they might want to look at that, uh, too. Oh, how about this one? The mascot of Ohio Wesleyan is the battling bishop. <laughs> what? Wait a minute, the battling bishop, so with the, uh, don't get me started with bishops in the Catholic Church, but you know where I'm going with that. All right, and how about this one? Uh, the, um, the Argentinian cowboy, the gauchos, right? The gauchos are the mascot there, the University of California, Santa Barbara. So apparently the gauchos uh, have been under some uh, consternation as it relates to the fact that Argentinian cowboys are kind of racist in terms of like uh, historians feel like there's some issues there and look I don't I'm not a historian I don't know I'm just I'm telling you oh finally here's one the bulldog of the Yale bulldog mascot handsome Dan <laughs> handsome Dan how about just Dan do we really need to say he's handsome come on all right I have nothing left to say this is the last sip here listen ka-ching back in a moment Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. It's the end of the show, and that means Sophie Mann. <laughs> I'm like, what does that mean? What does it mean? It means you're here. I am here. Um, good to see you. Good to see you. I always say good to see you. It's always good to see you. Well, you know why I say it's good to see you? Because it's good to see you. Well, thank God for that. Yeah. All right. I'm glad we got that all out of the way. So Biden's getting a little pushback here from the, mm -hmm. uh, well, why don't you tell us a little bit about this interview that's making some waves? Yeah, of course. Well, so um, Richard Trumka, the head yeah. of the AFL-CIO, excuse mm -hmm. me, sat down with Jonathan Swan of Axios um, in an interview that aired Sunday night. Uh, and basically what they were talking about was the... Um, the cancellation of the mm -hmm. Keystone XL pipeline, which, as we know, is something that Joe Biden signed an executive order about mm -hmm. on his first day in office, um, much to the chagrin of his uh, union supporters. Mm -hmm. So Biden is somebody who's been supported by union workers for basically his entire political career. Um, these are really like salt of the earth coal miner right. union workers, not the teachers unions who he's sort of having separate issues with right now. But um so the cancellation of the pipeline for them meant the immediate elimination of 1,000 jobs mm -hmm. um, in addition to the future cancellation of 10,000 construction jobs. Mm -hmm. um, and what Trump has said was that they were disappointed with Biden for having done this. Um, he wishes that he had waited a little bit longer before making this decision. Mm -hmm. And he thinks, though, that the president uh, perhaps learned his lesson given the reaction of the union, which has been really disappointed. Mm -hmm. um, he also said that one thing, I think this is probably the big takeaway moment from the interview, he talked about how politicians in D.C. really don't understand what it means to take away a job in one location and give it to somebody somewhere else. That's so right. even if, and there's no evidence to suggest this is actually true, but even if those 1,000 jobs suddenly reemerge somewhere in you know Silicon Valley, mm -hmm. that's not the same 1,000 workers mm -hmm. getting those jobs. And also those 1,000 workers, according to Trump, 
Trump, Trumpka, excuse mm-hmm. me, um, are, <laughs> it sounds familiar, um, are tied to their geographic location. They're from Pennsylvania mm-hmm. or wherever. They love it there. These are their homes and their families and their communities, you mm-hmm. know, like relocating to California or anywhere else really isn't exactly a viable solution for them. And yeah. he just wants a little bit more understanding from the D.C. political class about a- that. Absolutely. And Jim Psaki was asked about that by a reporter, said, when are those green jobs coming? Yeah. When those And by the way, uh, I don't want to get into this, but the green jobs pay mm, less than what these folks are making mm-hmm. anyhow. But that's a whole other issue, too. We'll see if they introduce any new policies to address these questions. That's true. Good to see you, Sophie. Good to see you. End of the show, beginning of the show, doesn't matter. Good to see you. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know. Tomorrow we've got a lot on the show. Joel Rosenberg uh, is going to be on the show. Same with Eric Patanzas. See you tomorrow.